0: Hello. Hi. It's been a hot minute. As as usual. Uh, I uh, checked before we started. 16 days as of recording. Oh god. We we were like, maybe it'll be a week. Maybe it'll be 10 days. I right. Well, welcome to Kill Story, hon. Yes, indeed. Welcome along. Episode 6. Episode 6. You know, it's not been six weeks, definitely been longer than that, but we've done it. <laughs> yeah, go us. Go us. Um, if you've not listened to the podcast before, uh, my name is Lizzie. I'm Barry. Uh And we are two friends who've been uh, stuck together for the last four and a bit years now? Four and a half years. Four and a half years. We are in the same friend group, we live together, we've done the same degree, uh, but we are incredibly different people with opposing opinions and interests, really. So this is our podcast where we like to tell each other uh, stories of Google deep dives that the other maybe <laughs> wouldn't know otherwise. Yes, but yeah, this is this is it. This, this is, is this is us. leslie has got the premise down, to I'm I'm <laughs> pro in it now. I'm quite happy with it. Um, last time uh, Barry covered the Salem witch trials. Called it Salem, Salem. They called it Salem the whole time, like it was a piece of salmon, which was hilarious. But uh, yeah, you should go listen to that if you haven't yet. Uh, or check out our archive archive of the four previous <laughs> Woo! so I'm waiting to listen to um i'm actually very happy with the length of our podcasts i think they're accessible they're not too intimidating in length for sure yeah sometimes an hour is too much yeah for sure sometimes a nice 20 to 30 minute situation is lovely for sure. um so uh since barry covered Salem last time it's my turn so uh, that looks like a proper essay. Yeah, I wrote this on the train today, and I have to say I'm rather chuffed with it. The last page is just facts, so like just like lovely little end piece facts. The okay. whole this whole first bit is quite it has. So um, it was uh Book Week Scotland last week. Did you know that? Uh, yes, Scottish Book Week, um ran until twenty first. Um, which stays twenty sixth, so we slightly missed it a little bit. But they do great things all the way through the year, the Scottish Book Trust. So if you are interested in any of the cool things they do to help encourage reading, uh, check out their website, Scottish Book, I think it's just called scottishbooktrust.co.uk. Check them out, they're they're class people. (laughs) Uh, There's my little plug. Um, But sort of in vain with that, um, and after a conversation we had in last week's podcast, which I'm not sure actually made it into the final edit, I'm going to talk about Agatha Christie. Woo! this is lizzie's obsession oh i love it i love it she had me pose as her in second year first First year first first year year, yeah she was like can you pretend to be agatha christie for a second anyway so i'm going to talk about agatha christie today i've got a sort of vaguely detailed rundown of her life up until her first marriage and then i'm gonna go into a little bit her rather famous disappearance which inspired a Doctor Who episode. Fun stories. What did she find? Well, we'll get to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Barry knows nothing. I love this. <laughs> um, so, uh, Agatha Christie was born Agatha Miller on September 15th, 1890 in Torquay in Devon. Um, she was born into a very wealthy, upper-class family. No way. No way. You would never <laughs> guess that from her stories. Um, if, oh, she's quick. As well. if you don't know who Agatha Christie is. She's the creator of Hercule Poirot. Miss um, Marple. Marple, Tommy and Tuppence, she wrote... Tommy and Tuppence, Who's yeah, that? Yeah, that's a classic duo, getting to Tommy and Tuppence, guys, it's it's a good time. But among many other things, I won't spoil the, the great things she's done, because I'm going to get to it, but uh, that's basically who she is. Um, she was the youngest of three children, and she was born to Frederick, who was an uh, American stockbroker, and his British-born wife, Clara. Um, the family spent plenty of time in Devon, in London with um, Agatha's aunt, and, and in Southern Europe, where they also had homes, because made of money why not yeah. yeah um and this sort of if you are a fan of her work then you can see immediately why the staging of her books are so clearly in southern england uh, or in central and southern europe very often um is very much where she was raised um she was actually homeschooled um her other siblings did go to um public schools but they decided she would homeschool her her mother was convinced she couldn't read until the age of eight which Ooh. is hilarious, because, uh, but it turns out, according to uh, Agatha Christie's biographer, she actually taught herself to read a lot earlier and would hide her reading from her mother for some reason. Um, so she was a very competent reader by the time she was eight when her mum found out she could read, which is very weird yeah. <laughs> that she would do that. Um, what's also fun, which I thought you would like, is... Um, they were raised in quite a spiritualist household, and they believed Ooh. that um, that her mother was a psychic. Was she? And, well, fucking no, because that doesn't exist. But <laughs> <Was he? laughs> but they they believed that Clara Clara Miller um, Agatha's mother was uh, had the ability of second sight. Mm. Um, and I believe the family still do think that she did. Um, I wonder what she saw that made them think yeah, that. Yeah, that what made them think that. But that's it's just briefly run over in a lot of the sort of biographies that I've read of her. Um, she was also a very competent uh, musician. She played the piano and the mandolin. Um, Agatha did or the mum? Uh, Agatha did. So that sort of um, brings, so that's her vague early life. Um, you know, very happy, homeschooled um reading a lot, playing music, you know, very like upper middle class when t- someone's turn of the century situation. school, I always think they're a weirdo. Yeah, well, I don't think she was the most normal person ever. I, oh, okay. No, definitely not. So, um Agatha's father was often ill and he suffered from a series of heart attacks and he finally passed away in 1901 when Agatha was only 11 years old. Obviously not fab. And um, he was only 55 when he died. Oh, dear. Rough times. Um Agatha has since said that she calls that period the end of her childhood, which which is a lot. After her father passed away the decision was made that she wouldn't be homeschooled any further um, and she was sent in 1902 to receive a formal education um, at a private school in Torquay um, in 1905, um, she was then sent to Paris and she finished the rest of her education oh, at a finishing what school a hardship. there. Well, yes, yeah, so I know. Money does that, doesn't it? But uh, So she did uh, finish her education at a finishing school, which I think is just a hilarious concept now, is um, teaching social graces and upper-class cultural rights as a preparation for entry into society. So not just like prepping girls to marry? Yeah, that's the whole point of finishing Sad. school. Very sad, 1905, good times. So she finally returned to England in 1910, so she spent five years away from her family. Um, she is, uh, She's the youngest, so by this time her um, two of her siblings are married. Um, her brother is, um, I believe, interested in the military at this point. She's 20, she's back in the UK, and she returns to find that her mum is now very ill, which is, of course, not fantastic news. So the decision is made that they should move to cairo for three months because they Amazing. believe that the heat will be good for the mother i'm just like vision of like death on the nail exactly so you can see immediately like all of agatha's like upbringing is massively connected to like her choice for yes. books like it just makes perfect sense um they stayed for three months um in a, the lavish gazira palace hotel which used Ooh. to be um home to emperors and the like very cool very cool what I've also found in, in a biography I read was, quote, Christy attended many social functions in search of a husband. Mm. <sighs> 1910, everybody. woohoo! Um, so they stayed in, in Cairo for three months um, and then returned to England after this time. This is where her sort of writing era begins. So she's, tw- she's turning 21. She returns to England and she decides that she's going to invest in theater which is something that she did with her friends when she was younger and she said she calls it like sort of the best time of her childhood was was doing theater with her friends she performed in an opera when she was like nine and and loved that and so she went back to doing theater um, in the local sort of devon Torquay community and she wrote several plays um poetry and some music that was um music that was published um obviously at this time it's under the name agatha miller so this sort of writing turned into an interest for short stories um, and then that sort of led to what never, never anything successful. She was encouraged by her friends and family to um, sort of send these short stories to magazines to see, and newspapers to see if they would publish them as periodicals and uh, nothing was ever picked up um, but what's really g- quite funny and the way celebrity works is after she was famous These magazines went back and they found the submissions and they republished them. Of course they did, did. simply because of who she was. And they went, "Oh, we've made a terrible mistake." Yes, I can imagine. We can't have that on our conscience because we love Miss Christie and Mm -hmm. you know all that shit. So I don't like that at all. But they decided that was what they wanted to do. So then she decides to write her first novel. What's her first novel? First novel, unpublished, never seen. Is called Snow Upon the Desert, and it's set in Cairo. No one's no one's read it. No one's read it because it's an unpublished work. Um, I don't even think it exists. I think it was just you know she remembered what it was called, and it's in a it was in a notebook somewhere, and it's long gone. Oh, um, but sad. she did apply um, for some publication of that, um, and didn't really go anywhere. Um, and then we get to um, <laughs> the run up to World War One. Oh remembering Bad. the period sad <laughs> times so <laughs> what i also love this is this is also said in a biography after four failed romances and one engagement go agatha like yeah go gal get by i love it she finally meets her first husband uh, archibald christie and she meets him at a dance held by La- lord and lady clifford at their family seat of uggbrook park oh wow as you do <laughs> and what's his deal um he is uh an raf pilot uh, he ends up being a colonel by the end of the war, um, and he discovers he's going to be placed in Farnborough, um, and he decides to propose in 1913. So before the outbreak of War, he's already in the RAF pre-war. Oh, okay. oh, no. It's already his deal. Um, so in 1914, um, she marries Archie be- um, before he leaves uh, for World War I. Um and uh, Christy uses her... Well, yeah, she's Christy now, so she's become... So this is when... Agatha Agatha Christie Christie. has arrived. The woman is here. She is uh, (laughs) is 23, 24, 24 at the outbreak of war. One year older than us. Yeah, 23 when she got got engaged, 24 when she got married. So she's married, Archie, um, and she is using her skills she's learned um, in her time in Paris uh, to work as an unpaid nurse to troops returning from the trenches um, in Torquay which mm, is on the south coast so it's where a lot of the troops landed. This is landed. Like so Downton Abbey. Like the, I like, know! How <laughs> many of these storylines are in Downton Abbey? <laughs> Probably all of them, they just rip them from these, like, this upper class section of the, of the UK. Name. It's very interesting. Um, so she worked as an unpaid nurse um, in Devon uh, from until 1916, um, where she trained enough by this point to become a pharmaceutical assistant. They believe she had enough medical knowledge and she'd done some exams during the war. Um, So, the last two years until 1918, she worked at University College Hospital in London. Um, And it's said that sort of this training gave her her knowledge of poison. Ooh. Which is why she is. Consistently known as the master of of drug usage in books, like in the in the sense of murdering people with very interesting concoctions of things, mm. because she was firsthand working with them. Yeah, which is fantastic and very interesting. Because I didn't know any of this until you started today. It's just been great during this period, um, from uh, nineteen sixteen to twenty, um, so the end of the war. Archie's back. He's become a colonel, but he decides that. Um, REF's not going to be for him anymore. Um, uh, Agatha has been rejected six consecutive times to publish her first novel. Um, Archie and Agatha settle in a flat in Northwick Terrace um, in northwest London. Um, and you can actually go to the household. It's like, they give you Ooh. the full address, 5 Northwick Terrace. That's where her and Archie lived. Is it a museum or is it just someone's I house? I don't think so. I think it's just a flat. I, I imagine there's a blue plaque on it that says, like, Ooh. Agatha Christie imagine, lived here. Imagine living in her house. Agatha Christie's flat. was Ghosts. was <laughs> Ghosts. Yeah. But this is the thing, it's not... I don't think I... Their flat in London was, like, a nice flat. But uh-huh. it wasn't, like... You're, no, we're not imagining... He, she did end up living in a house, like, a nice house yeah. by the end of her life. Yeah. But, like... It, it'd still be very cool to be like Agatha Christie lived here. Yeah. Prob- I imagine there's a blue plaque. There's a, definitely a ghost. Yeah, there's definitely a ghost. Um, if her mom was a medium. There's definitely. A ghost. <laughs> <laughs> so, as I said, Archer leaves his role in the R.E.F. and he decides to take up a job in the financial sector. Um, it's believed he started on the bottom of the ladder because he was coming across from the R.E.F. But obviously, during the period, if you'd if you were higher in the war effort, so already came from money, which meant he did. So he obviously went straight into a colonel position oh, okay, yeah. or her work who well he started high and like you know didn't yeah, have to go yeah. that far to get to colonel uh that looked better coming back in and so he was given a lot up in the financial sector um money was considered to be tight for them i mean as tight as it can be when you're already quite well off yeah um but the family still takes on a maid i just okay. want you to know that because yeah. that that continually puts in perspective where they're like i think as a quick kick-ass woman it doesn't stop her being of a certain yeah, for sure. certain era and of a certain class um, but to be, to be fair, I think we'd all have a maid if we could. Yeah, yeah. To be fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Our flat could definitely do with one. <laughs> so, in uh, 1919, five years after the Christie's are married, um, they have their first child, uh, a girl called Rosalind. So, as I said before, um, during this period, 1916 to 20, Agatha's been rejected six times for a book to be published. Mm-hmm. But this isn't the Cairo book that I was talking about before. Oh, this is a different new book. This is the first ever Hercule Poirot. Ah, which one is it? This is the mysterious affair at Styles. Oh, I don't remember that one. It's fantastic. Give me a quick um, summary of what happens. Uh, introduction to Hercule. He's based on. Um, Belgian refugees that were landing in England at the time and uh-huh. several of them were in Torquay. It's set in Torquay um, and it is the introduction to um, Hastings who becomes a oh sidekick in a TV show as he is framed for murder. That is this brief synopsis. Okay, of I, the have see- I think I have stuff. seen this one. It was turned into a three part special on ITV. Yeah, I've seen all the the TV ones. Uh-huh. The yeah. one I've seen all the ones on the BBC and all the ones on ITV. ITV. I prefer the ITV ones. <laughs> <laughs> um so the mysterious affair at styles is finally published after um she's worked on it for four years um in 1920 um it's published by the bodily head uh, known as john lane in the usa and um, it was rejected by many famous publishing houses uh who of course it. massively regret that decision um as i said it's inspired by belgian re- refugees moving to england in a post-war one europe um and then, and then this is when Christie invented the notorious detective Hercule Poirot, who we love. Um, her second novel after this is The Secret Adversary, published in 1922, and this introduced Tommy and Tuppence, which was our 2nd crime crime-fighting duo. Don't believe don't it, it was until the late 20s, early 30s that Miss Marple was invented. Oh, okay. I so don't she- like Miss Marple. She's I I do no. She's just an annoying old woman, and then she's like, "Oh, I just happened to be still." Oh, there's a murder. Oh, I just happened to be. Well, that's poirot I guess Poirot's called Quaro's a, a detective. Quaro's called it, but he's Poirot's a private detective. detective. Uh huh. And people are like, "Oh, they've got the family jewels missing." Oh, there's a murder. <laughs> like that's a bit different, rather than she's just going on holiday. Like, oh, I think I'll just nosy in here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway <Sorry. laughs> I'm just nosy in here that's exactly what she's like she's good though isn't she <laughs> and all her all her books feel the same well TV episodes that I've seen look the same look the same I think I've actually never read a Miss Marple um Feel like I should give it some time. I always said that I would read the Poirot's first, but because there are so fucking many, it's taking me many years. I've been reading Poirot since I was like twelve. Oh wow. How many are there? Do you have a talk? Um I know how many books were she's published. Um seventy eight. oh Wow. With three major stories or characters, Tommy and tuppence Miss Marple and Hercule Poirot. And how many went off? um probably 15 one-off books so tommy and Tuppence is published in the secret Adversary and then this is followed by poirot's next adventure which is murder on the lynx which is also a great book uh, published in 1923 um so you know christie is doing very well for herself the the mysterious ferret style sells incredibly well for the period People are eating up detective novels. She's one of the first ever female crime authors. Amazing. She's hugely inspired, inspired by *The Woman in White* by Wilkie Collins, which I did my high school English dissertation I on. I haven't read that yet. That is a weird ass book, but it's oh. one of the. It's it's um, very Victorian, is but it it's one like to read. Like woman in Black* or no? No. Is it ghosty? No. I thought it was a ghost. It's well, it's it, you know. There's a lot of racism in it. Oh. If I'm being blunt, um, it's very of the empire. Oh, That's, um, I thought it was like women in black vibe. I, I, I can't. You know, I think there's like they think it's an apparition, but it's very clear. It's like a no. trick. Okay, I see. Do you know what I mean? I see. Yeah, they're like, oh my god, a ghost stole our book. Do, co- do you have a copy of it? Um, probably, maybe on the bookshelf actually. Okay, it would shall... be anywhere it might be here now. I shall go have a look. Um, yeah, Wilkie Collins. Um, he is known as the father of crime fiction. So, do check him out. He's oh, wow. Agatha massively was inspired by him. Um, so you know, 1923. Uh, Agatha is, better word, a celebrity at this point. Um, she's done three very successful crime novels, one after the other. People are loving her Poirot. Tommy and Tuppence have found the audience. Um, she's feeling good about everything. And the British government decide to approach her and her husband to do what was called the British Empire Exhibition. Fun. Weird. Um. So basically, this was an exhibition. Sell. So, uh, spe- I think it started in nineteen twenty four, and it ran for a full year. It was held at Wembley Arena. Well, well Not Wembley Arena. Obviously, not there in nineteen twenties. But Wembley. Wembley. <laughs> Wembley in London. Um. A custom built sort of area was done for it. Very like you know, imagine like Olympics twenty twelve, like prepping all that area. Yeah. That kind of vibe, but British exhibition, which is there, It's been a very popular thing the entire 20th century um was was huge exhibitions of you know what would what's coming next so like they did one in the 80s in Canada like the world fair like the world fair yeah so, so that kind did, of yeah. aesthetic so the British Empire didn't know they did one in the 1920s at Wembley um, and in the lead up to that they approached um successful Britons um to do a sort of worldwide trip to promote the exhibition um because of this uh christie and her husband traveled to south africa and australia and they went to hawaii um the whole trip was 10 months it was a a world tour um and they became this is just a weird like such a sidetrack of everything else that they did but they became some of the first britons in history to learn to surf standing up Okay. How random is that? Very random. Very random. Agatha Christie was one of the first <laughs> British people to learn to surf. Did she um, write any novels based in these places that she went? Not in Hawaii, not in South Africa. She was very Europe-centric. So no Australia either, no? No, no. Oh. I don't think she would have thought she'd spent enough time in those places to Fair enough. give it the benefit. This is when we get to the good shit. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited. This is when we get a bit juicy with Agatha's life. So, 1922, they've been on this great 10-month trip. 1923, Murder on the Links has been published. You know, everything's going well. You know, the year's plod on. 1926. Archie asks Agatha for a divorce. Why? He has fallen in love with Nancy Neal, who he had met on the promotional tour a few years earlier. What's he doing with his life? Is he just living off her? I uh, no, he's in the financial sector in London. So he's not like quit his job no, off her. no, no, no. Okay. Um uh, 3rd of December 1926, the Christies quarrelled and Archie left Quarled. their house. Quarrelled. The, and Archie left their house in Sunningdale, Berkshire, to spend the weekend with his mistress in Surrey. The same evening, around nine nine forty-five, Christie disappeared from her home leaving behind a letter for her secretary saying she was going to Yorkshire. Okay, she never arrived in Yorkshire. Her car, or Morris Cowley, was later found at Newland's Corner, perched above a chalk quarry with an expired driving licence and clothes. Oh no. As a celebrity, there was a public outcry and the manhunt was on. This is like, she's like, I shall be the character in my own novel. Right? With my own mystery. It's just there is still massive speculation as to what happened. I feel like she's a wee bit of a narcissist. So (laughs) despite this manhunt despite this public outcry, despite hundreds of pounds being offered for any information in the newspapers uh, Christy wasn't found for 10 days Where was she? Uh, On the 14th of December 1926 she was found at the Swan Hydropathic Hotel, which is now the Old Swan Hotel in Harrogate, which is where my cousin lives, or earlier, Harrogate Yorkshire she was registered under Mrs. Teresa Neal, the surname of her husband's lover. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and she stated that she was from Cape Town at the desk as well, which is a bit random. Um, two, She's like, oh, more lies. Yeah, this kind of it's it's very like the start of one of her books. Yes. Like very much like person goes missing, turns up ten days later. What's that about? Um, two doctors stated she was suffering from amnesia. Um, though many believed um, so this was sort of public opinion at the time um, whispers and gossip that she was planning to commit suicide and frame her husband's lover as the killer yes that's 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 100% what was it's yeah yeah. during this time public opinion of Agatha faltered because people did not like the fact that she was going to frame someone for murder or at least thought that that might happen I feel like that makes me like her more I know um and she was said to be in a depressed state from literary overwork and the death of her mother in 1926. Um, so earlier in the year, she lost her mum. And then it possibly sort of explains why shit hit the fan. I feel like she's like, oh, I don't remember. Oh, yeah, I must have forgotten why I'm here. And like, oh, she's got amnesia. Well, well, you know, two do- two separate doctors. in uh-huh, 1920, yeah. 1926? Oh, she's just like, oh, I can't remember. Anyway, she's, she's she's like... It's not like they can do a scan or anything. That's true, to be fair. They're, she, they're just like, do you remember? And she's like, no. Well, what's also great is that she wrote a biography like in the 60s, fucking misses this whole thing out. Of course she does. Not bloody in it. Of course she does. She doesn't mention it once. Of course. Somebody did a biography of her after she died and was like, blame someone? So, um So, um... Did anyone ask her? And she was like, what? I, th- I just I think she ignored the whole situation for the rest of her life. Like, she never talked about it. Yeah, because she was framing someone for murder. But she disappeared for 10 days. 10 days! She must have really been planning. Was she just in that hotel for those 10 days? No, I don't think so. I think she was bopping about Yorkshire for a bit. Planning. Yorkshire's a fucking big county. It's the biggest county in England. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I'm not saying it's a small place. No, no, I'm just wondering how she got from Berkshire to Yorkshire without her car maybe she hitchhiked or maybe she had an accomplice maybe she had an accomplice or maybe she had her own lover maybe her secretary was in on it uh huh her secretary's probably like a true crime murderino anyway right we're <laughs> gonna it's uh so, her, so basically like she's become a huge celebrity in the space of span of a couple of years she's lost her mom, and her husband's turned around and said he wants a divorce you, why you, did you take it on the name? mental health side you can see what's going on <laughs> why did she keep his name well, because she'd become because such known under that are, name. Uh, I, mean, yeah. um, I think if she could have... I feel like she could have. If she could... I think if she'd... Well... She's only written three books. Plenty... Well, see, this is the thing. She does remarry, and, you know, legally her name changes, but she just uses it as a pen name. Oh, okay, she sticks okay. that, stays okay. down Christy. That's fair. It's like Cheryl Cole, I, still kind of been known as Cheryl Cole, even though she's not married to Ashley Cole anymore. I know. I think it'd just be, like, a bit of a sting... Whenever you publish a book and it's like Agatha Christie and you're like, mm, that's my ex-husband. But oh, she's about to fuck him over, so it's all good. <laughs> um, in the ni- in 1928 they officially divorce, and Archie does marry Nancy Neal, who's been having an affair with her for the last three years. Um, Agatha retained custody of their daughter Rosalind. She doesn't have any more children after this. She just sticks with Rosalind, and Christie um has the right for the name for her pen name. She has the right to use oh, it good, good. in her writing. Um, in 1928. Agatha was like, right, fucking done with England. I'm divorced. My daughter's getting old enough. Right, she can stay with the fam for a bit. I'm fucking off. So she pops off to Istanbul um, and subsequently to Baghdad, where she rides on the Orient Express. In Baghdad? Yeah. Oh my god. Um, well, t- change days. Change days. She's like, fuck this normal crap. I'm getting out of this. Um... Nobody's telling me where go, to go, I'd I'm doing
1: it. to go on the Orient Express. Me
0: too! Can we do it before we die, please? Uh, yes, it's very expensive. Yeah, that's exactly. It's one of if those things I'm, I'm going to w- do in my 80s as uh, my last I, request. Uh, when the lottery, I'll take you. Yeah, thank you. You can take me. Actually, to do the Orient Express and to do the Trans-Siberian Railway. Nah, you can do the Siberian Railway on your own. Okay, that's fine. Maybe I'll do it when the world's a bit nicer. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Agatha's bopping about Istanbul. She's on this trip for two full years. Amazing. Um, late in nineteen thirty, she's forty years old at this point. She met a young archaeologist. How old is he? He's thirteen years younger than her. Amazing. Twenty seven. You go, girl. Fucking <laughs> a, Agatha. Um, he's called Max Malwan. Maloan, Mallowan. I kind of want to say marshmallow, to be honest. It's Mallow, like marshmallow, Wan. Maloan. There we go. Uh, they get married in September nineteen thirty. Good for her. Go, Agatha. He's like. Love the money, Agatha, and she's like, "You look great." She's like, "Love a young boy and an archeologist Let's roll, Um, because I want Indiana Jones. That's like (laughs) what she's going for. Um, um, I'm happy to say that their marriage was extremely happy and lasted until Agatha's death in 1976. So they were married for 46 years. Amazing, fantastic. Um, Max also, despite him being 13 years younger, passes away the year after her. So they're not apart very long. No, he actually remarried in that year. Oh, I know. That's <laughs> I would not be happy if my husband remarried Married within, within the year. year. I know. Um, he was probably like, Mah! he's probably like, he's probably. You know what? They probably live with the thing of like, you know, you're only here for so long. Do what you can. Mm. I can imagine at this point she's very like, fucking, just go for it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> nah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm the one. But he was still buried in with her in her grave. Yeah. Anyway. Um, jumping ahead to her death there. Um, So, during her marriage to Max, she produced several novels under the pen name Mary Westmacott, because she wanted to have a go at romance novels. Uh, But she didn't want to use the name Agatha Christie because other people would buy the books thinking they were getting a crime Crime novel. novel. So, she went under a pen name. Um, She wrote six of these novels between 1930 and 1956. Are they they really bad? Uh, I've actually never read any of them. Don't have any interest in them. Um, I imagine Agatha's writing... I mean, her writing style is... Why I like it so much is because She says what she needs to say And she doesn't fluff about with it And I don't know In a romance situation if that's what you want to be Reading I don't know if it's maybe too clinical Maybe she changes her style though Yeah so, as we said, she frequently used settings that were familiar to her for her stories. So, we've talked about Turkey, and we've talked about um, Cairo, we've talked about Southern Europe, um, we've mentioned the Orient Express, um, and she often accompanied her husband on his archaeological exhibitions. Um, And so, he, that meant that she went to the Middle East a lot, which is Ooh. when we get... um, I mean, Death in the Nile is obviously Cairo, but we have lots of other different one-offs novels sent in the Middle East so now we're getting to sort of you know the end of the life so we can imagine like she's been married 46 years she's um, published thousands not thousands novels she's published 78 novels <laughs> by the end of her life <laughs> thousands, <laughs> thousands! but she's you know she's done very well for herself in honour of her many literary works she was appointed commander of the order of the British Empire which is a CBE in 1956 cool um, the next year she became the president of the te- Detection Club. Oh my god, I love that. Which is fab. The Detection Club was formed in 1930 by several mystery writers, her being one of the founding members, and it was like a monthly lunch club, and they'd all meet up in London and have a lovely, posh, where crime writers dinner. This is fab. What a time. Um... In the 1971 Honour, she was promoted to Dame Commander of the Order of the British Empire, so DBE, DP, um, and that was three years after her husband had been knighted for all of his archaeological work, <sighs> so in 1968. So they were one of the few married couples uh, where both partners had been honoured in their own rights, uh, and from 1968 onwards, owing to her husband's knighthood, Christy could also be known as Lady Malawan. <laughs> <Mal-wan>. Malawan. Malawan. <laughs> Tell me if I'm saying that wrong. Probably am. M A L L O W A M. Malawan. Malawan. So she was Lady Malawan. So I saw some pictures of him earlier. Let's have a wee nosy. Let's see photos of them together. They do suit each other. Yeah. She looks like a farmer. Aww. Aww. There's a photo of them and they're really, really old. They've got a dog. Oh, well, everything's class, isn't it? Good for them. Look at them young. Wow. Um. So yeah, I just love that they became Lord and Lady as well, like that, the, despite Agatha's wealth. Yeah. That was never just, was What was her, how, was how much money was she making while she was alive? Well, while she was alive I actually don't know. Is her daughter like loaded? Or is her daughter, maybe her daughter's dead, but her daughter must have been loaded. 2004 she died. But she had a child, Matthew Pritchard. Who is loving life. He was 75! I'm a film producer! What does he do? Oh, I love a deep dive. This might be a different match Pritchard. Richard. Oh, <laughs> he does all the flyers! No! <laughs> he's a producer on <laughs> all the flyers! Oh my god, he's minted. Oh, he must work for, like, the company, the family company now, the brand. Well, he must be so loaded. Oh though. my god, what a guy! <laughs> Grandson and, and, and producer! Well, to be Matthew Pritchard, eh? That would be good. Um... So Agatha finally passes away January twelfth, nineteen seventy six, in Oxfordshire at the age of eighty five. Cool. Does well for herself. Uh, this is when I get to all the fun facts. Okay. Hit me. This is why she's impressive. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, Christie is the most successful fiction writer of all time, having written seventy eight crime novels, six romance novels, and nineteen plays. To date, she has sold over. Do you want to guess? Uh, is it over a million two billion books (laughs) in 44 country countries with her annual income still standing at four million dollars a year oh my god that matthew pritchard is loving life he's like just born into like four million a year thanks i think four million a year is from the books alone like and imagine the tv rights oh what a life matthew pritchard Her estate still claims that her works come third in the rankings of the world's most widely published books, behind only Shakespeare and the Bible. Good for her. I love that she's a woman. She was the world's most translated author with her works as there have been 7,236 translations derived from her written works as of March 7th last year. Uh, and then there were none published in 1939 that's my favorite one one of my faves as well is the best-selling crime novel of all time with a hundred million copies sold worldwide like, have you read that one i have read that one i've only seen the tv show i would massively <laughs> you're like that's my favorite that's my favorite one Why <laughs> read it, it. Ever the book is them. a million times better the pacing of it is just outstanding um to put that in perspective in numbers four million copies of the entire harry potter series have been sold 100 million of one book. Oh my god. Um I can't believe there's only 4 million people bought Harry Potter. I know. 400 million. 400 million. Oh, 400 million of Harry Potter of the whole Harry Potter series though. And how many of have... There's 7 books. Oh, okay. And then 100 million of Okay, okay. So I see, I see, I see, um Harry Potter and the cha- and the so, uh, Philosopher's Stone, sorry, has sold 120 million copies. And the rest of the series is obviously like less as you go down. Um and also, Harry Potter is the best-selling book series of all time. So, if you put the whole series next to one book, like yeah, it's see, mental. Um, she's at the same level of The Hobbit, which is coming joint fourth on the list of best-selling individual books. Good for her. Um, Christie's first published novel, The Mysterious Ferret Styles, has gone on to sell millions of copies as well. Uh, the book later made publishing history by being one of the first ten books to be published by Penguin when they launched in 1935. The book was Penguin number six. Oh my god. That's ah, oh, that's insane to me. I just can't get my head around that. Um, and then, along with The Secret Adversary, which was her second book, it remains in the public domain with its copyright remaining until 2047. So you can do anything you want with The Mysterious Affair Styles. You can put it anywhere and anyone can read it. It is public. That's nice. It's wonderful oh it makes me so happy like, you you're actually so buzzing like, i'm just about so this. buzzing i just think you like read her whole life, and you're like yeah she was you know she was a posh bin, and then you get to like what she achieved yeah and you I'm go like, she oh, was definitely. way more than that like way more than that um did you like the new orient express uh, i didn't really Why? um I, I like the new poirot I really didn't. I liked his um, mustache. I think when you are raised on a certain person playing someone, it's hard to. But That's like Doctor Who when there's like a new well, doctor exactly the and then you don't like yeah. them. No, it's exactly the same. Like, it's just who you, you get used to at an age. Like, I watched so much of David Suchet when I was younger that. I couldn't have even told you that was the same. Oh, name. David Suchet. What an actor. What a guy. Head he, like an egg. Head like an egg. He actually looks like, like a, you, like, read Poirot and then look at David Suchet and you, like, it's perfect. Whereas Kenneth Branagh, who played him in the reboot, he, also fun fact, that is Gilderoy Lockhart and the director of Thor. <laughs> he's done a lot of weird things in his career. Who? Kenneth it? Branagh. Oh. I um, he's handsome. I, I don't really like him that much. Okay. Um, I mean, he's fine, he's a good actor, he's really talented, but you you, you read, a, read a description of Poirot and look at Kenneth Branagh, and you would never put the two in the same bubble. I know, but then it's like... But then, oh, then there's the whole thing of like, oh, well, Harry Potter doesn't have green eyes, and it says in the book he has to have green eyes. There are certain things that authors write that they don't think is important, and like... I think the reboot, though, was just like a change... Like, a kind of refresh. But this is the thing I'm not... You're like, I don't like change! No, no, this is the thing I'm not enjoying at the moment, is I think it's happening consistently across a lot of properties that I've liked a very long time, is that the decision has been made to sex things up. You always talk about this. And I don't like it. The Orient Express wasn't sexy. No, but the BBC adaptations have been a lot. But you not think they're just like, that would happen, but she just didn't write it? No. I don't think these things would ever happen in 1920s. Like... No. I think... I think... I just think they're... And then there no. were none wasn't sexed up. Then there were none was sexed up. When? Buddy thingy from The Hobbit was Buddy half naked in bits of it the handsome boy yeah i mean that wasn't bad yeah, I, I wasn't <laughs> enjoying it but it wasn't accurate in any fashion how do you know that though because i've read that book a million times but does it, maybe she just forgot to mention that he had you his top just off? forgot to mention he had his top off no did he not only have his top off when he was like shaving and shit though but like this is the thing as well like the whole like being in the room with characters by themselves she doesn't do that Oh, because it's a TV show, they're showing different. I don't know. It's different. It's not. Okay, homework. <laughs> <laughs> if you watch an ITV adaptation, or watch or watch maybe watch the three part Mysterious Affair at Styles that ITV did, did for the centenary, it's fantastic. Watch that and then watch the Murder on the Express, or actually watch ITV's Murder on the Orient Express, their episode of it, and then watch rewatch the movie. You'll see the, the, like, massive... I don't see uh, a difference, I think. Because also in the book on Murder on the Express, Paro never fucking tells anybody the, like, what he's found out. The book just ends. But in the in the ITV one, I'm pretty sure he's like... He gets off the train and walks away. Oh, I thought he said... He says, I know. Well, the thing in the book as well, he... Ne- well, he's in, in the ITV one, he 100% says, Oh, yeah, well, in the ITV one... Guys, I know what you did. Yeah, he tells them because it's the only way in a TV situation and in a film situation to, like... Why are you about it? No, no, well, I'm just saying that's a good example of, like, the differences. Because, okay. like, in a TV situation and a film situation, you obviously have to tell the audience that Parr knows the answer. In a book, Parr can just think the whole thing. And you can go, hot shit, what? And then he makes the executive decision to just leave the situation. For the first time in his career, he just goes, I'm not... He just talks about justice so much... And he turns around in that situation and goes, "There are no winners here. I'm out." Yeah, <laughs> and that's su- and it's a sh- complete shift for the whole character. And every book they're after is tinged differently. And it's just you can't get that visually. I just don't think you can ever be expressed correctly. Barry's rolling her eyes at me. <laughs> it's just too sexy. It is. <laughs> it's just too racy. It's, it's too, too joyous. I find it with a lot. Is <laughs> is I can't watch Riverdale because I. Life. well i think i've not seen riverdale and i also think there's problems where it's adults pretending to be teenagers and then having yeah, sex, and then having sex so i'm like Ooh. encourage underage sex what? But it's not even underage sex it's like why, why, why i don't know it's like have you been kind of like why are you showing that but then i've heard riverdale's good because it's it's people have been trying to sell it to me they're like but it's a crime show and i'm like yeah but i've been reading archie comics i didn't, since... I didn't even know it was crime yeah, it's a crime show crime, like did. there's a murder we at should the watch star, we should watch... I'm wondering if we should give it a go. This thing, there's a murder it's at the star. New flat, flat TV series that we watch together. The pro- but the problem I have is like in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, but these are also characters I've been reading since I was 11 that I like. Just don't see it as that. in my head, they're like, you know, they're like 16 year old kids running about a beach, like singing "Cat Sugar Sugar," like, like, do you know what I mean? They're very like yeah. nonchalant, the typical American dream. All candy cotton sweet and that there can't be anything else in my head mm. but maybe i should watch riverdale maybe that'll change it but then 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 again maybe it'll just ruin the entire archie franchise for me and i won't be able to do anything with it but it's not like you're reading the archie franchise now no it's explain, when i was in canada for the first time in 2008 i was 11 and uh i bought an archie comic at a supermarket because uh, it was like at the till and they're really small there they're like uh, I've given mine actually to vary for her to use in college now actually are these all the wee books you gave yeah, me yeah I didn't even realise that's what they, that's where they are um, uh, so they're like quite small and they're quite thick so there's probably like 150 pages in each one they're so cheesy they're like digest- yeah they're cheesy as all hell that's the thing you know like they're pieces of like cheesy crap made for 10 But 10-year-olds. there's but no, there's no crime in it exactly well then just see it as something different yeah that's... Then, yeah. Lizzie yeah. actually has about 100 of these. She was like, here, these are yours now. Yeah, well, I made the executive decision of they live in a shoebox. Maybe Barry would actually do something good with them. And you have. You've already made a piece of work with yes, them. Yes, I've been cutting all the speech bubbles out. I read my first one in 2008. And then um, my cousin saw, saw that I was interested. And she'd been reading them her whole life. And she has a whole cupboard in her mum's house, which oh, are just gosh. full of Archie <laughs> comics. And so I spent, you know... I was in Canada for three weeks. I spent, like, long summer days in the back garden, you know, with the dog reading Archie comics. Oh, but then just see Riverdale as something different. But then I just... But it's the names of the... You're so stubborn. I know. I know. I think it's just also... You're like, I like things the way they are and I don't (laughs) want things to change. I think even if it was, like, called Riverdale and it's, like, set in the town and everything, even if, like... It's just the fact that they're gonna say the characters' names, but the characters in the the wee comics. I like read some of it. It's like, be like, hey Jog- Sally, let's go to the beach. Yeah, they're gonna be like, <laughs> like they're gonna be like, is. hey Jughead Jog- has a dog called Hot Dog in the comics. Like, where's Hot Dog gonna be at? I don't know. Probably just like chilling. Also, like Jughead is called Jughead because he's got a head like a jug. <laughs> I take it he's incredibly handsome in Riverdale. Yeah kid in the comics is like just a skinny, it. tall boy wearing a Burger King hat twenty four seven. Well, let's just watch it and see. Yeah, we'll watch one. We'll watch the pilot with Rachel. And yeah, see what we think. See what we think. So, some things that we've loved since last episode. Oh yeah, uh, I have a podcast recommendation. It's called Evil Genius by Russell Kane. Russell Kane? Yeah, the comedian Russell. Yes, very good. I like okay. have insomnia, and it's my favorite getting to sleep podcast because it's like he picks someone like Gandhi and then it's like Gandhi was actually racist oh shit and it's like oh no but it's I really interesting. That's what I've been loving. That's what you've been doing recently. There you go, content I'm enjoying. Um, There's a great YouTube channel called The Art Assignment. They are an art channel funded by PBS, which is the public broadcasting station in America. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's actually John Green's wife, of all people, Sarah Urist, who is a curator in the States, in Indiana. She does a series uh, based on artists' food, and she recreates recipes from... Um, artist cookbooks that have been featured in artist sketchbooks Um, she did a crazy one with Salvador Dali and lobsters and made this huge lobster tower Um, it's a good time you know she's not perfect at what she does Um, it's a sort of realist approach to this crazy cuisine that supposedly these people ate I like that it's very good um would recommend The R Assignment. They so also good. just consistently do great stuff. I've read, they do many series on my channel. Have you read John Green's new book? I have. I really enjoyed that. Turtles All the Way Down. It's on the bookshelf. You want to read it? Mm-hmm. I uh, Since my parents moved house, I had to move all of my books um, out of my childhood bedroom and now they all live here. Uh, so our bookshelf is just full of every Leslie was like, can you find book. a place for these? And I was like, uh. I was like, we're making a space because yeah. they're not going in my room. There's no... I don't have a bookshelf in here. Like It wouldn't fit anywhere. Leslie has the smallest room in the house. I do. But and it's full of... Crap stuff. We need another clear out before Christmas. I think. That's what Rachel said that today. She was like, "Lizzie needs to clear out her room," and I was like, oh. "I had a clear out like two months ago." You actually did You just accumulate stuff. It's because part of your art art practice is collecting stuff. Yeah, it just goes in weird places. And I have a studio again now, so I really don't have an excuse for this. I have enough I space to keep things. But then also, you should remember when you're putting things in your studio that you have to put them somewhere at the end of the studio That's time. That's the problem as well. Like Lizzie made a cardboard. <laughs> filing cabinet which she refused to throw away which now is part of our room it looks good though doesn't it my dad was here a week ago today and he generally thought I like kept closing it <laughs> what do you keep in it newspapers. newspapers this is the thing why are you keeping newspapers like an old woman because the whole piece was like oh, but, it's but a whole th- piece I can't it's uh, a piece no it's a. It's in your room yeah you, but it's currently got a bottle of gin on top of it <laughs> and uh, is that Stalin yeah that is Stalin <laughs> It's a Stalin Russian doll. Why do you have that? And you open it up and it's all the communist leaders? I quite like I that. I got actually. it in St. Petersburg. I just thought it was so fucking weird and I had to buy it. Oh my god. She also has above that lots of bags of hair. <laughs> this is this is a typical art flat. This is the weirdest. What way. are you doing with your hair? Just keeping it. Just keeping it. I don't really know what I'm doing with it yet. It's all different colours. Yeah, all my hair dye. Hmm. <laughs> Anyway, cool story had. <laughs> you didn't even say that. I yet. know. <laughs> Thanks, Vary. It's no been class as always. I've been Lizzie and I've been Vary. Um, lovely to speak to you. Um, and you know, let's go 14 days this time. 14 days. We, we can, can do, do that. It. Woo. Love you lots. Bye. Bye. <laughs>